It's good to be with you this morning. Glad that you purposed to be here this beautiful Lord's Day morning, and I appreciate Brother Danny praying on my behalf. I appreciate the invite to speak to you this morning, and as I was praying the prayer, I hope that there's something that I can present to you uh, this morning that will help us in our walks. Uh, Danny gave a little bit of the outline for my lesson in his prayer in resisting those temptations that are, that are thrown before us as we go in our walks, and the lesson this morning is uh, not designed necessarily for those who are outside the kingdom, have not been added to Christ's body, but to encourage those and to use the examples that we've been given in our walks with Christ to be able to serve Him better, to be able to do better for Him, and to lessen what our will is for ourselves, and to encourage us to look at others that we can help out, and certainly to be more Christ-like in our lives. You know, he talked about a guest speaker. I still don't feel like a guest, feel like we're at home coming here, but we've actually been in Plainview now longer than we lived in Amarillo, but it's good to be back with you this morning. Warning, emergency escape, do not obstruct. In our lives, uh, and you can look and see these exit signs that are up here, and I don't know that you guys have it, but at Plainview, we have an evacuation map that has shown up on the PowerPoint before services. You guys may be required to have one someplace, but when we talk about escape, we're talking about our physical lives. If you go to any place of business and you look at um, the, the way the stores are laid out, the way the aisles are laid out, there can't be obstructions in case there was a fire, in case there was a storm. Uh, most, a lot of places nowadays have storm shelters in case there's tornadoes uh, that you can go to. Places to escape to be able to survive the elements that are thrown our way. If you've ever been on a cruise, the first thing you have to do, and they make sure that everybody on the boat at least gets checked off, that they went to their muster station and understand what to do as far as if, in case of an emergency, you have to get to a lifeboat where to gather and what to do. And it's kind of interesting in our physical lives as far as trying to protect and, and retain ourselves as far as not having harm done to us in case something goes wrong in our lives. How do we apply that sometimes to our spiritual lives? Do we really have a plan for escape? Jeffrey talked about uh, Wednesday night and kind of the final, final thoughts that he had was talking about the verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that talked about the way of escape. In our lives, do we take plans? Do we make plans? And I'm not saying necessarily physically put them on paper, but some of you may physically put them on paper to make sure we have a plan to escape the temptations that are thrown away. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but with temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And that way of escape is what I want to talk about this morning, and it may not have any specifics that say practical application, this is what you need to go out and do. Each of us have our own temptations. Each of us have to make our own plan for escape. But what I want you to do and what I need to do more in my life is say, okay, if something comes my way, what is the way of escape? Where is that exit? How am I going to save my spiritual life? How am I not going to give in to that temptation? 
And it may not be something that you run into necessarily in your lives. It may be a thought that runs through your head. When we gather around the table, most, most often it's kind of said, well, let's take our minds, remove those worldly thoughts, and think about Christ on the cross. Have you ever had something pop in your mind? It's like, get it out of there. We have to plan that escape, and that's how we take sometimes when we're doing the communion upon the first day of the week, as the example has been given to us, that we prepare our minds, get all those things of this world out of our minds so that we can do this the way he has asked us to do. And something else that Danny mentioned in his prayers, take the wisdom that he gives us through the scriptures when making that plan that we have. In this verse, it says specifically, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except as such as common to man. And we think about that, and I read, have read this uh, pretty much all my life, and we think about the things that are common to man. And I always think about the first century church that this was written in and about at that time, but, you know, those things that are common to man, and I think, well, that was the first century church. We don't have the same things and don't have the same um, temptations maybe that they did have. You know, we have a lot of technology. We have a lot of, I would say, white noise out there that kind of distracts us from things. But I think we have to make sure that we're careful within ourselves that we don't sell ourselves short as far as the temptations that we have. And it may not actually fall necessary with the struggles that they had. They didn't have to worry about what they were seeing on their phones or on their laptops because they didn't have them during those times. But we have some of those same things that they went through, and we're going to talk a little bit about the things they struggled with and what we can do with that. We can read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, we're all here this morning gathered together, and our purpose is to do what God's will for, what God's will for us is to do for him. And part of that is assembling together, worshiping, partaking of the Lord's Supper, hearing a portion of the word, praying to God, all those things we have examples of in the scriptures. And we're also here because we want to do what God wants us to do so we can obtain that heavenly home. But it says, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. So don't deceive yourselves. And this is my challenge to you this morning and my challenge to myself is that as we go into our walk, so we don't deceive ourselves and say, that doesn't tempt me. That doesn't bother me. And there's a lot of things probably that I'm going to talk about this morning that maybe doesn't tempt you. But you need to take those things that do tempt you and say, here's my plan and my way of escape. Do not be, dece be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And it says, and such were some of you. So you're telling me that the church at Corinth that Paul's writing to here had all these things in their congregation that they were worshiping at, had these things that people sitting in the pews or whatever they sat on when they were worshiping together, they did these things? It says, and such were some of you. You were fornicators and idolaters and adulterers and homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. You were like that. And you say, well... Not me, not us. That doesn't happen in our congregation. No, 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 no. I think that goes kind of back to don't deceive ourselves. Um, not everybody's going to get up and say, hey, pick me, and I'm going to tell my deep, deepest, darkest secret. 
But we all have those things that we have fallen to. And maybe we think of them and we say, well, that's not near as bad as some of these things on this list here, but have we fallen to some of these things? Such were some of you. You know, if we were perfect, if we did everything just like Christ did in this life, we wouldn't have needed the sacrifice of Christ. We wouldn't have needed his blood to cleanse us. We wouldn't have needed the scriptures as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. We need to make sure that we're not just saying, well, this was the first century church and those people at Corinth had a lot of issues. And I'm not saying look at your neighbors and everything else and say, wow, I hope, you know, I hope I'm not sitting to one of those persons that did some, some of these things. The point is we all need that cleansing blood of Christ. We all need to make sure that we are looking for that way of escape because we all have those temptations that are thrown our way. Something else that we all seem to like to do when we talk about maybe the way of escape and talking about evacuation plans, but we intentionally sometimes put ourselves in a situation that's called an escape room. Now, some of you may like these, some of you may not like these. I've been to some I like, I've been to some I don't like, but it's kind of enjoyable. But we intentionally put ourselves and pay money to put ourselves into a locked room and have to figure out how to escape from this room. Now, we think about that, and it's kind of silly, and it's fun. It's an entertainment thing that we kind of go through, but you typically have an hour to get out of there, and we want to get out as fast as we can, see if we can break the record of how we can get out. But how often in our spiritual life do we intentionally, maybe not consciously, but intentionally end up into an escape room? And then you see the key in this particular one. It may be hard to see from there, but it's got a, got a door to the back that maybe leads into a bottom, you know, another dungeon or someplace deeper and darker. In our spiritual life, we do, if we don't find that way of escape, if we even enter into this room sometimes and the temptations that are thrown our way, it can really hinder us in our walks with Christ. It can derail us and others as far as letting our light shine to those around about and bringing others to Christ and to the kingdom. The first part of the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, leading into these temptations and the way of escape, it says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But most of them God was not well pleased, for the bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and arose up in a play, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day 23,000 fell, nor let us tempt Christ as some also of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complained as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him thinks he stand, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And this verse here leading up to the next verse, it says that we need to find that way of escape, I think tells us a lot about the context of what's behind this. The children of Israel, 
as soon as they were led out of bondage and they passed through the Red Sea and all those things that God did for them, the witnesses, the witness they were to that miracle, they participated in the miracle, saw the, saw the armies of Pharaoh destroyed. And yet, when Moses delayed coming out of the mountain, what did they do? They went to idolatry. Aaron helped them build a golden calf. They went to idolatry, and they had to wander in the wilderness. And this scripture talks specifically about the children of Israel and how they wandered in the wilderness until they died. A lot of those people died, and only two actually got to see the promised land that were alive when it was given to them when they were delivered from Egypt. But I think also for us today, in that plan, our plan of escape that we put together, however that looks for you, that we use the examples that we're going to talk about a few this morning, those examples that have been given to us of people who maybe fell to those, including the children of Israel that's referred to here, and how we resist those temptations. And that last verse, that says, take heed lest he fall. We need to take heed to those examples that have been given to us. And I want to look at a few scriptures, hopefully, that will help us find that way of escape. In Ephesians chapter 2, before we get to Ephesians chapter 2, I want to talk about a little bit of the outline. A lot of times in my lessons, I try to put something in there that helps me remember. This may not help you guys remember as far as when you're making your plan, but some things that can help, hopefully help you maybe retain some of the things from the lesson this morning is the three W's. So we're going to talk a little bit about examples of wine, women, and wealth. And I want to qualify this so that all the ladies aren't mad at me uh, when I get done here, that I want you to take the application of what we talk about, whether it's a man or whether it's a woman, and put it into context as far as the temptation that's kind of thrown our way. So I kind of put it into three categories, sobriety, relationships, and worldly riches. So if that makes you feel a little bit better, women, um, Hopefully that will help as we go through. We can read in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, And he and you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the princes of power of the air, the spirit who now works in the son of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he had loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised up together that we may sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus." For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We talk about our walks with Christ, and I use that terminology a lot, our walks with Christ, because it is truly a Christian walk that we have to do while we live in this world and it says, we are his workmanship, and we need to conduct ourselves when we talk about a way of escape in those temptations that are about to, to befall us. So how do we walk in these? How do we walk in what we were created to, to be for Christ Jesus? And how do we take the way of escape when it comes to sobriety? 
We've already read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it talks about uh, not being a drunkard. You know, why, why not be drunk? And, and we think about that for a minute, and alcohol becomes the topic of a lot of subjects sometimes, not necessarily debates, but it's like, okay, one beer and, and so forth. You've heard the arguments before about it doesn't tell us that we can't drink, it just tells us not to be drunk. And, you know, why not? Why don't we ask that question of why do we not take that first drink, maybe? Because that might be a temptation that leads us down that path. That may not be something that entices you. That may not be something that you say, well, I don't, I don't have a problem with alcohol. But translate some of these sobriety, and specifically when we're talking about wine or strong drink, strong drink, translate that into what does perhaps entice you. Is it gambling? Is it drugs? Is it pornography? Is it something that just grabs you a little bit and says, you know, this path, because my flesh is weak, my flesh desires these things. And do we plan a way of escape to avoid those things that might get in our way, whether it's the phone that's in our hand, whether it's the Facebook that we uh, go to sometimes and things pop up that maybe we shouldn't be watching or shouldn't be seeing? Do we move on? Do we delete the app? What do we do? Have we planned that way of escape, or do we allow those temptations to come our way? And a little bit of this is maybe don't take that ever, take that first drink or drink that beer or drink that glass of wine because of where it could lead you down that temptation. If that's your plan, I think that's a good plan. I think it's important that with everything that we face, as far as keeping our mind about us and keeping our wits about us, that we think about our plan of escape to stay out of those temptations that are thrown toward us. Lead where it can lead us, I think, is important to what the action that we're going to have. We read in Romans chapter 13 and verse 12, it says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and making no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. You know, all of us have a flesh. All of us have a body that will go back to the earth when we die. We also have a spirit and a soul that has been given to us too that is far more precious than this body that we have. A lot of us have had loved ones pass away, loved ones that we enjoyed while they were on this earth that we want to see again and have that hope to be able to see them. And a lot of the things that we're talking about is to make no provision for that lust. And, and even the lewdness and the lust that's mentioned here, we're not going to go back to the scripture we talk about, but translate that into some of the other subject matter that we'll talk about this morning. But specifically, it talks about the drunkenness. It talks about not walking in the works of darkness. And you may say, well, I, you know, my, my escape plan is that um, I plan not to go to parties uh, at, at school that I'm invited to. I plan on not going to the, uh, the bars, and I'm not going to carouse at night uh, on Fridays and Saturday nights. Whatever your plan is, I'm not saying that's, that's, a, that's a bad plan in any form or fashion, but do we go a little bit deeper than that and say, not only am I not going to do this, but I'm going to turn my attention to other things that are going to take my, way, my mind away from those things of this flesh, the things that really get to me and, and make my desires go to places maybe that I shouldn't have to, so I don't have quite so many temptations. You know, we have to choose for ourselves 
the times and temptations that we have to escape and how we steer clear of those. We can read in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1, it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Danny again prayed in his prayer for wisdom. The only way we're going to get wisdom as far as our spiritual lives are concerned is to read the Word, is to study together, not just on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, but to go into God's Word on our own, collectively maybe in Bible studies. And the more we're dwelling on those things, the less we're thinking about, do I, need to, do, I, do I need to go out and have one drink or do I want to go out and have one drink? No, because we're dwelling on other things that are steering our minds clear of that. And I know it's easy to say, harder to do sometimes, but that's what we've got to do in our lives. No matter what our jobs, no matter what our schooling, no matter what our lives kind of entail as far as what they take us into in this world, once we leave the building, we've got to make sure that we are leading ourselves in a path that that way of escape is going to be evident to us. Do not be unwise. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, and be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all the things to God the Father, and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, goes on to finish out submitting to one another in the fear of God. And there's so much here when I talk about the way of escape that we could take these, these sets of verses right here and come up with our escape plan and put it on paper. And part of that is when we take those temptations that are kind of thrown toward us and say, okay, I'm going to steer myself clear of those. I'm going to go away from those. But what am I going to fill my time with when I go over here? I'm going to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, it might be a little bit weird if I come over to your house and start singing to you from the porch or something like that, now unless we're Christmas caroling or something. But I think you understand that sometimes it may be, I've got something that's getting in my way. Let me call up brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and just get my mind off of whatever's thrown in, in our path. Talk to one another, study together, get to know one another outside of the congregation here. It will help strengthen us and it will help us with our plan of escape. And then submit to one another. And I know there's all sorts of lessons that can be given on submission, but if we aren't submitting to anyone but ourselves, do we leave room for Christ? Do we leave room for God? But it tells us to go a step further and submit ourselves to one another. Are we doing that? That can help us with our escape plan. We need to keep our minds and make sure that we watch for his coming. In Luke chapter 21 and verse 34, it says, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with the carousing drunkenness and care of life. So it's giving us the example, the warning right here that says, Take heed. So listen. Take heed to yourself, lest you be weighed down with these carousing drunkenness, cares of the life. And the day come that you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare of all, all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And again, we talk about the way of escape, but the escape from an eternity in hell is to follow what he has asked us to do. Be ready and make sure that we want to look at what, when the Son of Man is coming to watch for that. 
The next I want to look at is women in relationships. So again, women, please translate the scriptures that we're going to be using into, um, into what men possibly can entice you with in, in the temptations that are thrown your way. You know, the beauty and the handsomeness of individuals has always been an issue, and we have examples of that in the Bible. Uh, we can see uh, at one point that Abram and Sarah, his wife, his, his wife was beautiful, and he wanted to make sure to hide them, uh, hide the fact that they were married because he thought she'd be taken by, by somebody at the time, but the beauty that was there we can also see, obviously, that Samson had issues with, with the beauty or whatever he saw in Delilah. Um, we can, we can talk, look at the wisest man uh, that we have in the Bible, the son of David, King Solomon, who allowed women to turn his heart to idolatry. You know, he built the temple. He was allowed to build the temple by God, but all the, all the women that were in his life turned his heart away to idols as we can read and bear out in the scriptures. But the beauty sometimes that we see can be a hindrance. And I'm not saying, ladies, don't, adore, don't, don't dress up and don't make yourselves look nice. And guys, I'm not saying don't slick your hair back and, and groom yourself in any form or fashion, but make sure that that's not something that's going to become a stumbling block to you or to somebody else. King David in 2 Samuel chapter 2 says, then it happened one evening, David arose from his bed and walked onto the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, it is, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And I think most of us know the rest of the story. He took that temptation that was thrown his way, and, and so many things on planning your escape you might think, well, I'm not going to go out on a rooftop, and we don't have baths on the top of roof, so this doesn't apply to me. Apply it to what does work in your life. And it may not be something as far as lusting after a woman's beauty as he did and, and doing all the evil things that David ended up doing. But it is important for us to be able to say, I'm going to remove myself. Now, there's a couple of things that we look at very simply with this example and say, well, David could have not gone out onto his balcony. Or if he saw something, say, okay, I'm not looking, I'm going back, and I don't know if this is the earliest, uh, earliest form of pornography that we've ever had, but he saw something that he wanted, and he took that temptation, and then he acted on that temptation. And we think, well, was it Bathsheba's fault? Because she shouldn't have been out there uh, where people could see her taking a bath. I think it's important for each of us to examine ourselves and say, and first of all, am I conducting myself in a way? And, and, and this kind of goes beyond the, the plan of escape we have for ourselves, but each of you need to say, am I potentially causing a stumbling block in the way I dress? Not only in the, in the services, but outside. Am I potentially causing a man to look at me and lust after me? Am I causing a woman to look after me and lust after me? Am I conducting myself in the way I act, not even from necessarily a sexual way, but am I conducting myself in a way that is going to let my light shine, or am I becoming a stumbling block to somebody in the way that I'm acting? Is, is my life reflecting of God and Christ? And we need to all examine ourselves, whatever we do in this life, to make sure that we aren't potentially causing someone to give in to a temptation 
And you say, well, I can't possibly go through every possible scenario that somebody may look at me and, and this, that, and the other, or we may look at something. I understand that, but we need to do the best that we can with what we control to make sure that we don't cause somebody an issue to fall to that. Desire is a huge tool of the devil. We read in James chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted of evil by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. That when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Ultimately, this is what we need to look at in our lives so that we don't end up having that second death eternally. That what we are all striving for, that heavenly home, that we truly achieve and do away with those things that entice us and those desires that can be ungodly or unchristian-like or perhaps cause somebody else to stumble and be unchristian-like. If those desires present themselves in any form or fashion, do we have a way of escape to steer clear of them? Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We've got to make sure that we don't get ourselves into temptations and plan that way of escape so that we will inherit the kingdom of God. So when we're tempted with the desires, we must find that way of escape. Don't put yourself in compromising positions, as Jeff talked about on, on Wednesday night. Those compromising positions, sometimes we say, well, I'm strong enough. I don't have an issue with this. But it's important for us to say, reality is I can fall to those desires just like anybody else, just like the church at Corinth did. And we can see in Proverbs chapter 7, it's a little bit a lengthy reading, but I want to read this, and, and, and mostly I'm going to let you as the audience draw your own conclusions and put into application as far as the situation that takes place here. But Solomon actually uh, writing this letter, and it's kind of interesting that Solomon's the one that... that uh, that wrote this, but he's telling my son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the table of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from, an, from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner. And he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark of night. And there was a woman met him, met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have a peace offering with me. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you, diligently to seek your face. And I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. 
Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him, and I will, and will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way of hell, descending to the chambers of death. A lot of reading. I urge you to take this scripture and say, again, it's not necessarily about what a woman can do to a man, but also translate this into what a man can do a woman to a woman in a sexual way, obviously, as this is referring to. But that is sometimes the fleshly desires that come our way can be thrown in our way. Whatever the temptation is, this scripture here, I believe, is given to us as one of those examples to say, steer clear And so many examples, as we've already kind of mentioned, of women and men turning each other's hearts to things of evil and things that they shouldn't do. We must keep a pure heart. And if we keep that pure heart in submission one to another and keep a pure heart in submitting to what God has asked us to do, in those cases, it's going to make it a lot easier for us to find that way of escape. Paul tells Timothy in 1 or 2 Timothy 2 and 22, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, and those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. How do we keep that pure heart? Delve into the scriptures, use the scriptures, talk to one another, keep things of a spiritual nature rather than the earthly nature, those things that may possibly become stumbling blocks in our lives. Those who are married, we need to make sure that we are keeping that pure heart with our spouses, with your husbands and wives. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2, Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to the wife the affection due her and likewise the wife to her husband. Several things to a healthy, intimate life as far as a husband and wife goes. But I think it's important for us, if this is something that tempts you in any form or fashion, that husbands and wife give due diligence to their husbands and their wives what is expected in an intimate relationship. Not going to go into a lot of details on that, but don't ever use intimacy as a weapon in your marriage. Don't do that. That is not the way God intended it to do. And the scriptures bear that out in many places that talk about that. But that in itself can potentially lead to a temptation that is hard to resist for a man or a woman. The last thing I want to look at is the wealth and worldly riches. You know, there's a lot of scriptures that apply to this. I'm going to touch on a few, but basically the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that it gives us in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And 
this one probably very familiar to us in our lives, but do we really look at that and say, this is what I've got to do to stay out of the world, and part of your escape plan is to stay as much as you can on that spiritual walk and keep our minds on things and sing songs and spiritual songs to one another, study with one another, whatever the case may be. That doesn't keep us out of all the things that happen in this world because, as we know, wealth and money makes the world go around. We have to pay our bills. We have the roof that has been provided for us. We have to pay for those things that go along with that. But we need to make sure that those aren't something that's leading us down a path that says, well, I just can't wait for the next promotion, and therefore I'm going to take a job that requires me to work Sundays and Wednesdays, and I probably won't be at church a whole lot, but um, I, I, I can get past that. I can move past that. That's not something that's going to keep me from serving God the way I need to. Is it going to keep you from serving Others the way you need to by not being at services? We have to ask ourselves a lot of questions in, on, on things when we're pursuing promotions or higher salaries or I've got, I've got a position that's going to take me away from what I need to be as far as assembling myself together. There's so many questions, and maybe that's not a temptation for you, but it's still something we need to think about in planning our escapes. 1 Timothy chapter 6 Verses 9 and 10, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. So it's telling us right here. If you're desiring a lot of money, a lot of wealth, first of all, you're putting yourselves into temptation and a snare and into many foolish, harm, foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil and which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Lanice and I have talked about this many times in our marriage, but when we first got married, we had nothing as far as from a physical nature. We were barely scrounging around every once in a while. It was kind of neat. We'd, we'd rob the piggy bank and go get a 39-cent taco at Taco Mayo. That was our splurging and our date night. So uh, there's some things like that. It's like, you know, I wanted to do a little bit more to be able to, to get a little bit better paycheck to be able to provide for a family. But if that becomes our drive or my drive to get those riches, it tells us it could lead us into harmful lusts and drown men. We weren't any less happy when we had no money. In fact, is in some cases, we might have been happier because we weren't deciding what we had to do with some of that money that we have now. You know, there's so many things that go along with that. What are we going to leave for the kids? What kind of inheritance? All this other stuff. Not that we have a lot of stuff. It's just, it's like those become things that could draw us away. Is that something that tempts you? We have to be careful with those riches and make sure that we can find the way of escape. You know, Christ's chosen disciples had issues with money. Uh, then one of the twelve in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 14 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, what are you willing to give me that I may deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. We say, well, this is the extreme. You know, that 30 pieces of silver. He was the trusted treasurer. I don't know how trusted he was, but he was the treasurer of, of the apostles as they traveled around. And we know the end result of what happened with Judas, that he threw the, the, the silver back and went and hanged himself because of the betrayal that he had. And in those temptations, or maybe that, that we fall to from time to time, we, we can throw up our hands and say, well, you know, I did all I could, but I still fell to this temptation. That's going to happen from time to time. But it's important for us to realize that we have that redemption through a repentant heart and that we can get back on the straight and narrow. Make sure that the drive for money doesn't lead us into a situation where we're betraying Christ 
maybe not to the point he's going to be crucified like Judas did, but we're, betray, we're betraying Christ in the way that we let our light shine to those round about. Also in that same chapter, Matthew 26 and verse 40, it says, Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. In our way of escape, whether it's sobriety, you know, whether it's uh, relationships that we have that might come in our way, or, or whether it's the riches and the wealth that we have in this world, we have to battle those. But even as Christ is in his darkest hour, and he, and he chose some apostles to go with him, to be with him during that, his time of need in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he comes and he finds them asleep. You know, we have a need for sleep. Our bodies have a need for sleep, but we also have an obligation to dig into the Scriptures, do what God's will for us. And he says, watch and pray. First of all, he gets upset. What? Could you not watch with me one hour? And sometimes in some of those temptations that come my way, or maybe some thoughts that come my way, or maybe temptations I give into, God and Christ got to be saying, Mike, what are you thinking? Have we ever had one of those moments? What are you thinking? Watch and pray lest you enter in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We've got to keep that spirit strong. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13 tells us in this whole chapter, I encourage you to read Ephesians chapter 6, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil in the evil day and having done all to stand. Take on that whole armor of God. And dig into that whole armor of God if you're not familiar with what the armor of God is and figure out how you can be stronger to make that way of escape, to plan that way of escape as you go into life. And then finally in James chapter 4 and verse 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The more we resist, the more we take those things that are thrown our way, and resist those, that pushes the devil aside and leaves more room for Christ, leaves room more for his glory, leaves more room for his light to shine to those who don't know Christ and to bring them closer to Christ, to be able to teach them the gospel and put them on the right path. I hope the lesson this morning has been beneficial to you, that you can take it and use it in your life. Think about that. Do not obstruct and don't block those fire exits. Don't get yourself into an escape room that you can't get out of or go deeper into the dungeon. Take the scriptures and use those scriptures and put the flesh second, put the spirit first as much as we can in our lives. If there's one here this morning who's been taught what you need to do to become a member of the kingdom, to be added to the death, burial, and resurrection, the similitude of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection through baptism, or if there be one here who needs the prayers of the church, needs encouragement from their brothers and sisters and maybe something they're struggling with, the church here would be glad to assist you with that as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.